Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 314. And I am here yet again with my awesome guest host, Qasem Aslam. Welcome back to Perpetual Traffic, buddy. Ralph, thanks for having me. Excited to talk to you today. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be talking about some more tactical kind of stuff here today. Getting back to some traffic tips of, I think, things that you and I probably did way back when. And we always like to kind of go back to the basics, back to the simple stuff. It's always the core concepts that really make the biggest difference. It's not necessarily this super crazy, technical, ultra ninja tip for you as the business owner in order to grow your business. Sometimes it's really, it's just the basic stuff. And we still do a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about here in today's ultra tactical kind of episode, which is all about how to get traffic when you got no money. <laughs> if you're completely poor, all you have is time. How do you actually get traffic to your site, to your offer, to your business in order to grow it? Yes, paid traffic is great. If you've got money, you can also do that pretty inexpensively too. We'll give you a couple of tips there, but this is something that I think gets overlooked oftentimes because the traffic button, the traffic store, as Ryan Dice says all the time, is it's just right down the street. You know, It's just a mouse click away over to the Facebook ads platform, the Google ad platform. It's almost too easy sometimes. And people, I think, get wrapped up in the whole paid side and forget some of these things that we'll be discussing here today because these are the things that, in my opinion, I know we do paid, but we also do a lot of these. These are the things that really get you some of the best customers. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And you know, it's funny because we're so spoiled as paid ad agencies. You've got a paid ad agency. I do too. Mm -hmm. And it's easy, like you said earlier, to just drive eyeballs. And what that ends up doing is it dilutes the value of, of all the things that exist on the periphesis of that practice. Mm -hmm. So when you return to the principles that we're going to talk about, not only do these help get traffic without money, but I also think that some of these activities, let's say, will improve the efficacy of your, your, your other marketing methods like your paid ads. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, a lot of the things that we've talked about in 300 plus episodes are kind of in this, and we're looking at what we refer to as the traffic time money matrix. If you sort of look at this, we've been in the having time, but also have some money side of the quadrant. And that's fine. And I think we can go through that. Obviously, paid ads is a big part of that. But maybe explain to us, this is your traffic time money matrix that we're kind of working off here. Like explain the whole rationale to who should be in which quadrant and when and what activities would you be doing in each one of those? Sure. So the first thing that everybody needs to understand is you have to spend for traffic, period. You're either going to spend money, which is what we're kind of used to, or you're going to spend time. 
If you come to us and say, oh, I don't have time and I don't have money, what can I do? The answer is nothing. There's nothing you can do, or at least nothing that I know of. And if I knew of something, then maybe I'd be a wealthier person. So have that expectation in your mind. What we have here is a grid, just like any other. Right-hand column is you've got some time. Left-hand column is you don't. Top row, you have no money. Bottom row is, is you've got some money. So if you can picture that, you know, that 4X quadrant, what we want to look at is what are the things that we can do based off of where we land in each of these quadrants? And the one that I think we're going to focus on today is I have time, but I don't have much money. This is traffic for poor people, affectionately mm-hmm. stated, of course, because we've all been there, y'all. We've been like, yeah. you know, the early stage business owner, don't know where to go, what to do, how to do it, et cetera. So we're going to walk you through that process here. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think once again, like these are things that we do as business owners, even if you have money and it's, it's the combination of the two. But the point is, is if you don't have any money and you don't have any time, I don't think you'd be listening to this podcast <laughs> here because you really wouldn't have much of a business. Like how can you actually, I mean, like you said, I mean, if there's a way to grow a business without having any time and without having any money, like tell me what that is. I'd love to hear that show. So let's just pretend, let's go back and we're going to sort of, you know, obviously refer back to, I think the days when we were first starting out as well. What are some of the easiest things you can do if you've got time, you want traffic to your site? What's the first thing that you would do if you were back in that state for your business, Gossam? I can tell you what I did do. When I started my agency, we were mostly a web dev agency, which by the way, I think is true for most people. Like we all started, at least if you're as old as I am, you start on the websites and then you expand out of it. Yep. Um, Web and SEO maybe. And what I did is I hit up forums. And this was back in the heyday of forums, you know, like when they were just like the end all be all, it was kind of before Facebook groups had, had totally taken off. But I joined forums and I provided immense amounts of value. You had a question, I answered it. You know, if, if something new, if, if WordPress made, made a major update or a plugin went defunct or whatever, I was the one that was in there letting people know, giving them up. And, and it wasn't sleazy. It wasn't salesy. I wasn't a poacher. You got to be real careful when you do this because people can see through that junk. Just jump in, find your niche, I think is, is action item number one, because the more generic your forum, the less likely it is that the value you're providing is going to be specific. So go try to find a niche, you know, like, let's say you're like, oh, I, you know, I want to help dentists. Well, go find the dental forum and then figure out what it is that you're providing these people and just rain value on them. And honestly, the response is quick. Like, I don't think you need two, three months in there. I think you need a couple of weeks for people to be like, gosh, who is this guy? How does he know so much about this? And, and, you know, I'd like to potentially be able to help. So find a niche, figure out where those people are hanging out and then go provide value. And you can do this in, in Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, Quora threads, Reddit threads. The forums are still going strong. I'm not saying that they're not, but there, there's so many little sub-communities online. Go find one or two and commit to them. Just get in there and love on them, show them what you know. And regardless of the industry you're in or the space that you're in, I think that that can be a pretty viable solution. And I think even to this day, I mean, I, I probably do a lot less of this than I used to, but I rely now on people who are the subject matter experts and in the areas that I either don't have the interest in but need to know about, or I'm busy doing other things as a business owner. So it's interesting to sort of see it from the perspective of when I was first starting. If I was infinitely valuable in a forum, just helping people, showing that I'm, I actually know what I'm doing, but lending expertise and really truly trying to assist them with a problem that they have, that's so immensely valuable to me as a business owner today. I probably didn't see it that way back then. I was like, well, I'm doing this because I know to be 
to be able to grow my business organically because I don't have a lot of money, but I do have time. I need to be valuable. Like I remember sort of thinking about that. Maybe it was Chris Brogan who said it, just be valuable to people, like bring value, help people, and it's going to come back to you. And that whole law of reciprocity, I was like, all right, well, that makes sense to me. So, but it wasn't natural. I sort of did it in a way where it was intentional. I knew I was going to get something from it. What ended up happening is that I ended up becoming a thought leader in a very specific thing. And because of that, helped a lot of people in the process. But I didn't realize that that was actually going to happen. I was doing it because I'm like, all right, go help people, go to forums, answer their questions. I knew stuff about SEO, like, you know, I was a, <laughs> we had website development, of course. And then once you have the website development, they're like, well, now that they have the website, well, how are they going to get traffic to the website? Well, I started doing SEO and then all of a sudden, you know, laid into paid advertising, social, all that other sort of stuff. So, but I was that guy. I was that guy that was super helpful on a very specific thing. And it was back then, it was like this, you know, black hat SEO, it was plugins, it was all these other sorts of things. But now I rely on those same people for like the iOS update. You know, it's like there's certain people that I go to on Twitter that maybe are just like doing this. They have more time than me. So they have, but they distill it down into something that's really helpful and useful. And if I ever need them for a specific thing, they're going to be the people that I'm going to go to and figure out, all right, is there a way that I can pay this person to help me because I know they're a subject matter expert on it. So does that make sense? It was like it was intentional for me because I knew it. But then it ended up sort of turning into like this thought leadership, which I never really intended, but it happened anyway. And I think that's one of the great sort of side effects of doing this kind of thing in forums or now in Facebook groups, same kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, here you are thinking, you know, you're just helping people to grow your business, but now all of a sudden you're a thought leader. Well, I think those are the best thought leaders too. You know, people that set out to be th thought leaders, they annoy me. They're yeah. just this nonstop, like, you know, they're, they're just, they love the sound of their own voice and they're there for the wrong reasons. But, you know, the guy or gal who steps up and says like, well, gosh, I just want to give. That's why you'll notice a lot of these, a lot of the real solid organic thought leaders. I feel this way about Robert Kiyosaki. Robert Kiyosaki is a horrible orator. He's painful to listen to. He's, he mumbles, he, you know, trails off. He's not a good speaker. He's a brilliant human. He's kind. He's empathic. He cares. That's what makes him a good thought leader. So all the things that he's supposed to have, he doesn't have any of those. And I think if he were on this call, I'd say those things and he'd laugh. But he's got like really solid information. And so you can, you can sink your teeth into that. And, and I'm not saying that you're not good at those things, Ralph. I think you're great at them. But that's, that didn't come foremost. Like first it was like, let me go out there and give. And then after the fact, it's like, oh my goodness, I happen to be a world authority in you know, the ad space. This is insane. All right. Yeah, it was like a happy side effect. So the forums, obviously, like there's Quora now, like some of the places where you would recommend people to go. I mentioned Facebook groups, but like, how do you narrow it down? What, what do you like if it, you mentioned dentists? So let's say you're, you know, you're a company that does consulting for dentists or do you do, you know, websites for dentists or whatever it happens to be? Like, like how do you sort of figure out where to go first based upon where you want your business to go. Does that make sense? It does. I have a really specific answer for this. It's actually something that I, it's involved in a, a training that I offer uh, or used to offer. It's, it's not really live anymore, but we do a specific type of avatar research. The very first thing I like to do is open up LinkedIn. And so I open up LinkedIn. And I'm like, who's my avatar? And I'm going to find all the people connected to me because it means I'm going to be able to see more of their profile. So I'll go find, you know, the 50 some odd dentists that for whatever reason are either in my network or close to my network by one or two degrees. And I open up every single profile. So you go through the, the search listing and you right click and you open up, you've got 50 tabs open now. 
And then you go tab by tab by tab by tab looking for the common denominators. What groups are they a part of? And, and I don't just mean LinkedIn groups. I mean, organizations. What's cool, cool about LinkedIn is it shows you broader organizations. So like what continuing education do they do? What groups are they a part of? What are they interested in? What philanthropic endeavors do you find you know, consistent throughout? You might figure out like, gosh, all these dentists are a part of you know, Kiva or, or Doctors Without Borders or whatever. You know, it's, it's good old fashioned avatar research, but you're going there for, with a specific intent, which mm-hmm. is where do these folks hang out? What do they read? What do they watch? What do they listen to? And you know, if it's a podcast, I'm going to go try to submit and be a guest on that podcast, which is free, by the way, right? It mm-hmm. just takes some time. It takes submission, but I'm going to get in front of them. Let's say that they're all you know, uh, subscribed to a specific YouTube channel. Even if I can't get on the channel as a guest, I can start responding to certain comments because oftentimes with, and I can tell you this, I have a YouTube channel and we don't, we're not even that big. We have 3000 subscribers. I get overwhelmed with the comments and with 3000 mm-hmm. subscribers, I'm overwhelmed. And what I've noticed is other people start stepping in there and answering questions on our behalf. And God bless them, man. Like, that's great because they get, you know, a little bit of visibility. They get the ability to, to engage with the customer one-on-one and then I don't have to answer all the questions. So you can get in front of people really quickly if you know what it is that they're interested in. So I like to use LinkedIn first. And I like to use YouTube second. And I use LinkedIn as kind of like the, the proactive, like, where are you coming from? And then YouTube, I try to think like them. If I were a dentist that wanted my service, let's say I'm doing web for dentists, then I'm going to Google things like, how do I build a website for a dental office? And then go figure out who the authorities are, who the, you know, the, the thought leaders are and where I might fit. You don't want to approach them as a threat. You don't want to jump on and say, hey, can I be on your channel? Because I offer the same service you do. You want to figure out how you can be complementary, like where, the, where those joint venture partnerships exist. And I can tell y'all from experience, people are ultra receptive to that. If you can bring value to their audience, you're doing them a favor. Running channels like this is hard. You know, running a podcast is hard. Running a YouTube channel is hard. Coming up with what it is that you want to say and, and making it meritocratic, that's difficult. So if you can do some of that work for them and not encroach on that territory, I think that you can get, you can get in front of their audience pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned a really interesting one is potential partnerships. I mean, when you're doing that Google research for dentists, for example, like you might come up on different companies, different organizations that might actually want your service, and then you can approach them potentially as a JV. So for example, when we were first starting Tier 11, I listed out three companies in which we wanted to work with because I knew that if we worked with those companies in one way, shape, or form, chances are if we got in front of their audience, it would help my business grow. And one was Infusionsoft, one was Digital Marketer, and I forget what the third one was. <laughs> I think it was another email service provider. It was like one of the bigger like email service providers. And because I knew as an agency, if I could get in front of them and provide value for any one of those, then I would get traffic as mm-hmm. a result of that. And that ended up being this show. And that was just sort of like a simple thing. Like this show is an outgrowth of this strategy in that JV sort of mindset. It doesn't necessarily need to be a podcast with Digital Marketer, for example, but it could be you know, a dental supply company you probably know more about this sort of stuff because I think you have some customers in this space. <laughs> it's like other companies that feed into that industry that your service, whatever it happens to be, maybe you do build websites for dentists, would be really useful and helpful to get in front of their audience because they need your service. So like that was just one of the very long ago, I mean, after this thought leadership thing started to kind of happen and I was being helpful and useful on forums, this was sort of the next logical step 
like in my mind, and it ended up working out really, really well. And it just so happens that anybody can do the same kind of thing. And I know you've got some customers that are in a lot of these different industries and, and you've done it as well. Like if you are that dental website agency, for example, like what would be your next step? Like how would you potentially approach some of those strategic partnerships? So you just dropped, I think an epic value bomb there. When you said the dental supply company, there's somebody who serves my exact avatar, right? They've mm -hmm. got my list and yep. they want nothing to do with the service that I offer. So if you can go find somebody who lives in that quadrant, they serve the person you serve, but they don't do anything near what you do. I think that's a phenomenal partnership. And what I would do, and we actually did something very similar to this with in the optometry space. One of my clients is uh, one of the largest distributors of ophthalmic equipment in the continental United States. And we created a year's worth of social posts for optometrists. Now, ophthalmic equipment has nothing to do with social media marketing, right? At all. But she was able to use any years where the social post is actually pretty easy to create. It's 100 posts. You know, if you're doing every other day for, you know, uh, uh, or every Tuesday and Thursday or whatever for the whole of a year, you end up with about 100 posts. And we create this content, which wasn't prohibitive. And it instantly allowed us to put ourselves in front of all these optometrists that wanted this, this uh, content as a lead magnet. You could take something like that, bring it to a strategic partner and say, hey, I do social media marketing for optometrists. You already have my list. If you wouldn't mind, can you just blast this out as a give? This is a give. You get to give this to them. It's of immense value. And you know, on the back end, if there's a very soft CTA, if you're interested in learning how to schedule these further, or you know, there's a whole list of accompanying blogs that go along with it, or you, know, you, you want to make sure that there's some level of ascension path there, but you don't want to be too heavy handed with it. But if you're willing to give massive amounts of content up front, I, honestly, I, I'd, be, I'd find it hard for people to say no to that. Like that yeah. just seems so compelling to me. Yeah. Especially if there's no transactional element to it. Like if it really is like you are literally trying to help, you know, there is going to be a benefit to you later on. But if you did approach that, that, you know, dental supply company here in our hypothetical example, like as long as it's worded and it's approached in the right way and they understand this isn't necessarily a give and take, it'd be hard to say no to that. You know, because what you're doing here is you're going, creating a partnership with a company that has really has no vested interest or overlap or competition with your company. If you're that dental web dev company that also does SEO, if anything, it's going to help your potential customers, your dentists that pay you money every single month. So like, think of a way in which it's a win-win all around. And oh, by the way, if you do all this winning, you're going to win as well. The side benefit is going to be you're going to win as well. I think you know, the law of reciprocity, which is basically you know, if you give enough, you will get something in return, it will start working in your favor. And if you've got time, this is one of the best traffic strategies on the planet. And if you can give that away, you will get it back in spades. Yeah, I really love what you said, Ralph, about not expecting it to come back right out of the gate. I think that's a critical prerequisite. If you run around trying to, to, to give because then, again, I just feel like people can smell it on you, yeah. you know, but, but walking around and, and understanding that it takes a little bit of patience and consistency, I think is really important. So what else? What else would you suggest here? I mean, obviously well, I've got a personal one, a kind of a big mm -hmm. one. I, I own a, another agency that services Montessori schools. I have a passion for Montessori. My kids go to Montessori school, et cetera. I won't invite you to my Tupperware party about Montessori. 
I'm but, already a member. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to get in front of other Montessori schools and they're tough not to crack. They don't trust technology period. They don't trust vendors because they've been taken advantage of. So I went and found a guy. He's what I call Montessori royalty, affectionately speaking. His mom started a Montessori school in the seventies. He runs it now. You know, he grew up from 200 students to 500 students, four locations. He was on the board of uh, the Montessori Administrators Association. He speaks at conferences regularly, et cetera. So he's Montessori royalty. And I went to him and said, dude, let me run your marketing for free, show you what I can do. And if it works, why don't you and I figure out a way to partner on this thing? Which is exactly what we did. When you go to the website right now, he's listed as the founder, even though he's more or less, you know, kind of an absentee shareholder, let's say, because, you know, he was the face that we needed. And it was an amazing JV. And today we're the largest marketing agency for Montessori schools in the world. And it all stemmed from the relationships that he had built over the courses of his entire life since he'd been involved in Montessori. So he was an amazing JV partner for me. And, and he's been worth you know, everything that we pay him for basically sitting around and doing nothing now, uh, just based off of the, the value of the relationships he brought. Yeah, it's a really good point. Doing stuff for free, it's a, it's a hard concept for people to sort of wrap their heads around. And, you know, we have an agency group where we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. It's like, how do you get your first client when you're an agency? Well, do you charge money or do you just seek somebody out that obviously needs your stuff and say, I'll do it for free and I'm going to do a really, really good job. And when I do a really good job, the only thing that of expectation of return is, can you maybe just write me a testimonial? Or like even not even do that, but knowing that if, like, if it's your first time doing it, like, you know, all you're doing is you're getting, you will be getting expertise and you will be getting experience, but you are going to get something back from it. Giving away your services for free, especially when you're first starting out, like we're talking about, like you have no business at this point. Like that's what we did. That was our first SEO customer because the guy I met at a party said, well, why don't you do the same kind of thing that you're doing for all these websites for these scammy affiliate offers and do it for me? <laughs> and after his first month, he's like, well, I got to pay you something. So on month two, he paid me $100, which is, you know, which is hysterical now. But the point was, it's like, that's how we actually got our first testimonial. That's how we got, you know, I really wanted to test out like these new techniques and see if they actually worked right now. They don't work, obviously, because they were totally black hat back then. Point was, is like, we did work for free and he did write me a testimonial. And that was the first of now what's been hundreds of customers. And it started out with just giving and doing something, not really for any expectation of return aside from, I just wanted to get the experience. I didn't really realize that it would eventually snowball into what is you know, today a much larger agency. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that at least gets you started on how to get traffic to your website when you have no money or traffic tips for poor people here. If you've got time, but you don't have the money, Try some of the things that we've talked about here. Obviously, Facebook groups are another one that is really helpful and useful right now. I still refer to that all the time, but forums, working on strategic partnerships, just doing things for free out of the goodness of your heart, understanding like who has my customer but doesn't overlap with my service is a really important question for you to take away from today's show and think about that. And who is that person that you can do something for that or a company to give them a tremendous amount of value, but also, oh, by the way, has your ideal avatar for your business. And I think both of us have done that in our businesses, and it's obviously it's worked out well. And then once you start getting some business in the door, getting some sales in the door, then you can start pouring on the paid traffic. And 
listen to the other 313 episodes here of Perpetual Traffic on how you can do all that. So for all the resources and everything that we mentioned in this week's show, head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 314. Kasim Aslam, thanks for bringing it here today for traffic tips for poor people. Until next week, everyone. See ya. See y'all. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.